Well, Happy New Year. What a great way to start our time of worship together in a brand new year. I think today's probably the last Sunday I can say Happy New Year and get away with it. A new year, a new you. You look great. It's good to see you here today. And we're launching a brand new series this morning on prayer, staying connected to God. If you're a guest or if this is your first Sunday here in 2016 at First Ridgeland, our theme, our goal is this, hashtag everything Jesus. And our hope and our desire is this, that guests and members alike will take Jesus Christ with them to the details of life Monday through Saturday. That would mean taking him to the boardroom. That would mean taking him on the cold call or the business appointment or that lunch that you hope, you hope and you pray works out well with that colleague. It means taking Jesus with you to the ball field or to the gym, whatever the case may be. It means taking Jesus with you to the dinner table, your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your children, your neighbor, your coworkers. It means making Christ central in your life and not, and not just relegating him to one hour on Sunday morning. Now we have one big idea this morning that I want you really to pay attention to. And it's one of those one big ideas that can actually drive the entire, our entire series as we talk about staying connected to God. And you see the one big idea on the screen. It's rather elementary. Prayer enables us to stay connected to God. The Bible says some rather audacious things about prayer. It says some things about prayer that seem actually unattainable. It was the Apostle Paul that said, pray continually. And that sounds like you should be um, knees bent in a state of prayer every day, all day. But that's not the case. That's not the case. You see, there are many people, many believers like yourself, that desire to stay connected to God. They just do not know how to pull that off. And this series is going to help us. It's going to help us understand how to stay connected to God during the good times and the challenging times as well. Now, I was very fortunate uh, growing up, I had two very influential people in my life that modeled a life of prayer. And chances are that many of you could say the same thing. Now, my mom was like that. My mom lives a lifestyle of prayer. And it was not uncommon for me as a little boy or a teenager to walk in and overhear my mom praying. It could be in her room or it could be at the kitchen sink or it could be wherever, out in the yard. She just modeled a lifestyle of prayer. As a matter of fact, Mary and I had only been um, husband and wife married for just a few weeks and we were at my mom's in Hattiesburg and, and Mary got up to get a cup of coffee and she came back in and she said, I just heard the most amazing thing. I said, yeah, what's that? I just heard your mom praying. And I just kind of smiled inside and I said, yeah, that's just kind of who she is. She says, yeah, but she was pouring our hearts out on our behalf, on things that we need God to move on. I said, well, welcome to the family. And then my pastor, when I was in college and I was a student at, at Southern Miss, to the top, right, for you two other Southern Miss fans here today. There's two other Southern Miss fans. I get that. I'll move on. Um, when I was in Hattiesburg and a student at Southern Miss, um, my, my pastor in college was a really cool guy, young fellow that got called to um, a sleepy little country church. It blew up. Great things happened. And I'll never forget my first time to go to the pastor's office. Man, I was intimidated. I was, I, was, I was anxious. He put me at ease immediately, and we talked about what God was doing in our lives and how he could help me and how I hoped to be able to help him. And then when, we, when I left that day, I'll never forget this. He says, now, wait a minute. He said, now, we, we, 
enjoyed our time together. He says, but I want you to know, next time that we meet together, it was kind of our unofficial declaration of him mentoring me. He said, next time we get together, man, we're going to pray. And, and I want you to be my prayer partner. I'll never forget that. I remember thinking to myself, well, how, how is that going to work? Because I, really, I don't have a really active prayer life. Well, the way it worked was that he modeled for me how to pray and how to stay connected to God. And it was a really cool thing. And I'll never forget, I, would, I, I often went out and made contacts with him of guests from that Sunday. And there was a couple of occasions when he said, look, let's just go back to the church for a little while. Like a Thursday night at 8.30 before I was married and a uh, husband and a daddy. Let's just go back to the church at 8.30. I, I've called a couple of other guys and, and we're just going to pray for a little while. I'm like, I wonder what that's going to be like. Pray for a little while. And, and, and I asked the same question in my, in my mind. I didn't say it out loud that you would have asked. I wonder how long that's going to be. You know how we are. We check our watch and make sure that we're getting in and out at the same time. Well, we came to a place like this, an altar like this, and we just started praying, about three or four of us. And one would stop praying, and there would be a little bit of silence. But it wasn't awkward. And then the other person would pray. And then I remember praying two or three times. And then I remember thinking that, praying in agreement with the person next to me and thinking, man, this time has flown by. And I don't remember how long we spent there, but it was probably an hour and a half or two hours. And I don't remember, I, I remember thinking, wow, this is, this is good stuff. And then I remember making the direct correlation to how the seeds that we sowed and the contacts that we made and the prayers that we prayed, God began to move in people's life. And I'm thinking, man, I'm so thankful that someone took the time to mentor me on how to pray. Now when Billy Graham speaks, we listen, right? Here's what Billy Graham said regarding prayer. Billy Graham said that we were created to live, that's the lifestyle, of prayer. That's one of my all-time favorite quotes regarding prayer. We, the church, God's kids, were created to live a life of prayer. Now that begs the question, how? It's a question of function. How do we pull that off? And the answer is we open our Bibles and we examine the life and ministry of Jesus. And here's what we discover. First, we find a morning in the life of Christ. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, an interesting comment is made about Jesus. Here's what the text says. Very early, and it's going to tell us how early in just a moment. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place. You can surmise the word solitary in the original language means quiet, without distractions, where he prayed. In other words, Jesus started his day in fellowship with the Father. He started his day in prayer while it was still dark, very early in the morning. Now what's interesting about that text is that when you keep reading in the very next verse, Jesus' inner circle, his disciples, the Peter, James, and John guys, those fellas, they were knocking at his door. They were coming to look for him. Jesus, where have you been? Where are you at? The people need you, which is a great lesson in life. There's always going to be needs. People are always going to need you, but they're not going to need you as much as you're going to need to spend time with Jesus. Never forget that. The needs that are pressing against you from the outside will never out.
the significance of you spending time with your Lord. So what do we learn by that statement in Mark 135, a morning in the life of Jesus? What we learn is the priority of prayer from our Savior Jesus Christ. The priority meant that it was important that he would stay connected to the Father before he did anything else, before he, before he healed the sick, before he taught and mentored those disciples. None of that was going to take precedence over his time with the Father. They would be, in fact, one. It teaches us the priority of prayer. And you know what it convicted me of? If the Savior of the world who died and bled and rose again for my sins and for your sins needed to spend that time with the Father very early in the morning, how much does an average everyday Joe like me, and yes, you, need to do likewise? It means that we must place a priority, a premium on that time where we're talking and listening with the Lord. Now, you, you have your time when you spend with the Lord. Let me tell you what my mornings look like. I'm up one hour usually before anybody else in my house, save the family dog. When I get up, he gets up. It's just me, Jesus, and Jackson, the family dog. And I have my coffee. And there's a reason for that. I like to have time that's, that's just me and the Lord. And I have the same chair, my Bible stays there, and I usually have a journal right there, and I'm not just praying, but I'm also listening, and I'm reading, and so my prayer time goes hand in hand with me with an open Bible. And, and I read devotions, but that first thing in the morning, I'm in the Word. I'm in the Word, and I spend that first hour just me and Jesus and a cup of coffee and an open Bible and talking and listening and talking and listening and talking and listening. Now, why do I do it like that? I do it like that because that's my best time of the day, and I want to give my best time of the day to the Lord, and you should as well. But I start my day at that point not just because Jesus did that, but I want my mindset and I want my attitude to be shaped by the Lord, not what's trending. And I want to say that again. I want my attitude and I want my mindset to be shaped by my time with Jesus, not what's trending, not what's in the headlines, not what's in the morning news, not what my favorite team did yesterday, not what the stock market did or is going to do, not what the celebrity said, not what a politician said. What did Jesus say to me? I want to start my day there because I understand I'm keenly aware of my own sinfulness. I'm keenly aware of how weak I am. I understand, I acknowledge, I confess, I declare, I've got zero, nada to give anybody. Save what Jesus pours into me. And the same is true for you. A morning in the life of Jesus teaches us the priority of prayer. Now a question. Just a real simple question. Is Jesus your first appointment in the morning? Or do you rush into the day? Now, before you think I'm, I'm picking on you, let me just share with you a confession. I've done that before. Been there, done that. I've done that before. And I get clobbered. I get creamed. All of the appointments don't go like they're supposed to, and there's interruptions left and right. Now, I don't always handle them well. And guess what? You're wired just like I am because we both believe flesh and blood, and, and we're, just, we're just human beings, right? And so whatever, it has to, whatever has to be moved around in order for Jesus to be that first appointment, move it around. Move it around and listen to him through his word, 
Talk to him through prayer. Listen to him in solitude. And you know what will happen? He will infuse you with his spirit. He'll infuse you with his wisdom. And when you go out into the day, you're not giving people you. You're giving them Jesus. And oh, by the way, that's the theme of the year. Hashtag everything Jesus. We want to take him with us wherever we go. And in order to do that, we have to start our day with him. It makes perfect sense. And morning in the life of Christ teaches us the priority of prayer. Well, what about an evening? An evening in the life of Jesus. It should be, it should come as no surprise that it would be very similar to how he spent a morning. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 23, here's what we read. After he had dismissed them, them would be the crowd. Them would be the people with needs. That would be the sick and the infirm and those people that were, were needing a special touch from the master's hand. When he dismissed them, he went, on a mountain, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there, here's the word, alone. Jesus and the Father. Now, what does that teach us about Jesus' prayer life? Something rather significant, I hope. The morning that he spent in prayer teaches us the priority of prayer, but an evening in the life of Jesus teaches us the practice of prayer. It meant that he and the Father were one throughout the day. I love this next quote. It says that in the mornings, prayer is the key that opens to us the treasures of God's mercies and his blessings. But in the evening, it's the key that shuts us up it shuts us up under his protection and under his safeguard. And that's so very true. That's exactly what prayer does. When you start your morning in prayer, it opens us up to the treasures of God's mercies, the treasures of God's blessings. And in the e evening, it's the key that keeps us protected and is a safeguard. Now, a great resource that I've used for years and years, and my mom actually showed me a copy that she got over Christmas. It's the morning, uh, Mornings and Evenings with Charles Spurgeon. If you want a really good short read right before you go to bed, get that. It's, it'll take you about, I don't know, two to four minutes to read. Mornings and Evenings with Charles Spurgeon. Now, here's the swing thought behind that. The reason that you start your day with Jesus and the reason that you end your day with Jesus is you're much more likely much more likely to take him with you through the details of the day. What it means is this, when Jesus is your first appointment and when Jesus is your last appointment, you're much more likely to take him with you to the boardroom. You're much more likely to take him with you in the classroom. You're much more likely, students, to take him with you at lunch. You're much less likely to talk about somebody else with gossip, gossip and malice. You're much less likely to make a post on whatever social media venue you, you prefer that, that, that tears somebody's character down. You're much less likely to put yourself in risky situations that might jeopardize your testimony and your relationship with Christ and thus your influence for him because see when you start your day and you end your day in prayer he just goes with you you don't cut the switch on and off just on Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings you take him with you you take him with you to Kroger or to Walmart you take him with you on that business trip and you don't adopt the philosophy that says what happens out of town stays out of town. You adopt the mentality that says, where I go, Jesus goes. And it will make a difference. And when we make it all about Jesus, what we're doing at that point, 
we're leveraging the relationship that we have with Christ to point our community, our neighbors, our family, our co-workers, everyone back to Him. Well, Pastor, is that our responsibility? Yes, it's our responsibility. And when everything is about Jesus and you start your day with prayer, the priority of prayer, and when you end your day with prayer and reflecting upon Christ and what He's done for you, you know what happens? We begin to take Him with us in the details of life, and that's what we're called to do. Well, let's answer one more question, and it'll be the last question that we look at. What's the purpose of prayer? Is there? What is the purpose? Is it just us talking to Jesus? No, it's much more than that. You see, in the Gospel according to John, in chapter 10, verse 30, the Bible says, I and the Father, Jesus was referring to himself, I and the Father are one. And then in John 15, 5, the Bible says, Jesus is teaching about the vines. He, he, he reminds us, he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. Nada, zero, zilch, goose egg. So Jesus and the Father are one. So there's a perfect unity with the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then in Matthew chapter 26, in the Garden of Gethsemane, scholars call that the Garden of Decision, where Jesus agrees to go to the cross. He prays this most amazing prayer. He said, Lord, if it's possible for this cup to pass from me, let it be. But not my will be done. Your will be done. The goal of prayer is not just to be at one with Jesus. The goal of prayer is to bring attention and honor and glory back to your Lord. That's the goal of prayer, to make sure you're pointing everybody and everything back to the Lord. Now, here's what I know. If we, ha if we are to have our prayers answered, we've got to give God the glory. Bottom line. I.e. John, John 3.30, the Bible says, For Christ to increase, we, me, you, us, must decrease. So in order to have our prayers answered, we've got to bring glory back to God. No ifs, no ands, no buts. Now, I, I was pleasantly surprised on Friday night, and I'll tell you what I was surprised with. My, my, my wife and I came to church um, to drop kids off for GLOW, this all-night lock-in. And... Um, and we weren't staying. So I was like, you know, we weren't staying. We're, we're, we're going to be without kids for most of the night, half the night anyway. Now, I wasn't surprised by, I wasn't surprised by the FLC being, um, being invaded by scores of kids. I wasn't surprised by it. I was pumped, and I was tackled, and I was high-fived, and I was fist-pumped, and I was, hey, Pastor Mark, and I, and I shook a lot of hands, and I hugged a lot of necks, and I shot a few baskets. What I was surprised by was seeing you there and all of these people all of these folks who had clipboards in hands and had whistles around their necks and had their running gear on and had their game faces on and they were at all their stations and all the little kids running around here and they were talking about this and they were talking about that hey we're going to go to jump at this and we're going to do that and you had all of you well not all of you but a lot of you were there and here's what I know you were bringing honor and glory to Jesus by being there because you were pouring into the next generation that I might add, you, you adults will be dependent upon for your goods and services in years to come. So you better take good care of them, right? You better pour into them. And what I want to remind those of you who were there, whether you were a teenager or whether you were an adult on Friday evenings, on Friday evening, 
You were an answer to the prayers that many people prayed for years and years and years that God would bring the laborers here. And so you've done an outstanding job and you're doing great. I don't want you to stop and I want you to keep going. Your prayer life has got to point people back to Jesus. Here's um, um, something I want to remind you that Jesus did. When Jesus prayed in public, he prayed really short prayers. Really short prayers. And let's think about this for a minute. One of the most audacious miracles in the New Testament was when he raised Lazarus from the dead. Remember that? And he loved Lazarus. And he loved Mary. And he loved Martha. And there was a lot of emotion. And then he, he, he prayed to the Father in one verse. And then the next verse, he prayed. And his prayer was what? Lazarus, come forth. Three words. So in public... He prayed real short prayers. And then when he was with his disciples and when he was teaching them, remember they said, Father, teach us to pray. He prayed short prayers. I, the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. But, but, when it was just Jesus, all by himself, on a mountainside, he prayed all night. We need not invert that. We need to keep that order as Jesus kept it. He was at one with the Father. Our prayers are not for show. Our prayers are not to impress others. Our prayers are to keep us connected to Jesus. Now, if our prayers seek to bring attention to ourselves rather than to God, we can rest assured at that moment we're out of the will of God and your prayers won't be answered. Prayer, our prayer life is not to get what we want. Our prayer is not to manipulate and talk God into doing what we want Him to do on our behalf. Our prayer life is to get on mission with God and to be one with Him and bring attention back to Him. When I was a student at Southern um, years ago and Cliff, was my mentor, was discipling me and and I was working in it. I didn't know it, but I was, a, uh, I was an unofficial um, associate pastor for three years while I was in college. And I did all the stuff associate pastors do, including follow-up with our guests from Sunday. And I remember this, this one family that I was working with and Cliff was working with. And it was a good-looking family, and they had, had two or three kids. And one of the children was a teenager, and, and she had told Cliff and I that she had never made a profession of faith. Well, the family joins the church. But she doesn't join. She, she lingers back. And I'll never forget, we had a series of services, and we were, the, the focus was on trying to make sure that you know, those that don't know Christ could embrace Christ, and those that do know Christ could walk a little bit closer with them. And it was one of those nights where we had a guest pastor in. He was one of those guys who was a big fella and a hard-charging guy. I'll never forget him because he always did this number. You know, it always made me nervous. He would always put like half of his feet off the podium and we always thought he was going to fall. He kind of wanted to hold him up like that. But he was a real big-time preacher and everybody loved him and he was real confident. And there was this one night where that teenage girl that I, I'd shared my faith with and Cliff, watched Cliff share his faith with and she was right in front of me. And man, I've been praying for her mom and dad and her brothers and her sister, and I've been praying for her by name. And I knew for a fact there were those who had shared Christ with her. And so, as the invitation was given, 
I was just pouring my heart out to God in prayer. And by the way, I was in my seat. You know, we all have seats in church, right? You act like you don't have seats. You got seats. We all have seats. I got a seat. You got a seat, okay? And, the, and my seat back in that day was um, when you walked into the church, there was two sides, right side, left side. My, my seat was the, the pew, the last pew on the right section, the last pew before you walked out the church. That's just kind of how I rolled. I was a last seat, last pew kind of a guy. And the person was sitting right, was seated rather, right in front of me. And as the, as the response time was given, man, I poured my heart out to that per, for that person on behalf of them. And the invitation went one verse, two verse, and then after the invitation was over, our pastor was presenting people. I had my eyes closed and was praying during the response time, so I didn't see her come forward, but she did. And man, she gave her heart to Jesus. And she was enthusiastic, and she, made, she was proud of that, and she was thankful for that. And I, I was broken by that. I was broken by that. And I was just weeping. And I had all these mixed emotions. They were all positive, but I was just weeping. And I remember my pastor helping me process that later, and he said to me, Mark, you need to understand something. You need to make the correlation between sowing seeds, sharing your faith, and the power of prayer. What you witnessed was the power of prayer. And you need to always remember, you need to always remember one of the most neglected disciplines and power sources in the believer's life is the power of prayer. And I remember just being broken and weeping before my pastor and thinking, we've got to tap in to that power source. You are guaranteed for God to answer your prayers when you pray in the will of God, when you pray for others to know Christ as Savior and Lord, and you pray for others to grow deeper in their relationship with Christ, and you'll get pushed back. You'll get pushed back. Because spiritual, spiritual warfare starts, it starts when we start sowing seeds of a witness, and it starts when we, try, when we start trying to share our faith and make disciples. But that's cool, it's okay. Because the Bible says in 1 John, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And by the way, we've got you covered on that front too because on Wednesday nights, we've got a whole series about spiritual warfare. All for you, so you, the church, will be equipped. Prayer, staying connected to God in the morning, in the evening, and throughout the day. And a byproduct of that is what? That you leverage that relationship with Christ to make Him known in your community, in your school, in your company, and in your neighborhood. And when you do that, you put yourself, you put your family, you put this church on the right road where everything really is about Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And we thank you for loving us when we're unlovable. Lord, during this response time over the next couple of minutes, our, our prayer is always the same. Lord, we want you to be honored. And we want no one to leave today, Lord, without knowing you and without doing whatever they need to to make the adjustments to be on mission with you. So, Lord, we ask right now, as we transition our thoughts to our response time, that you would dominate our thoughts. And then our swing thought would be to bring honor to you with our decisions, whether they're public or whether they're private. In Christ's name we pray.
Amen. Won't you please stand as we prep for our response time this morning. There's a couple of decisions on the screen for you. The first is the most important. And it's the decision on what to do with Jesus. And the Bible says that our righteousness is like filthy rags. And that would be an issue. That would be a problem. But the, the good news is this. The Bible also says that, that the gift of salvation is found through Jesus Christ. And that all we need to do is embrace Him as a child does. And that's with confession, with trust, total abandonment, and surrender. Maybe you've done that. Maybe you need to do that. Maybe you want more information about that. We can help you with that today. Or maybe you've never followed through with believer's baptism. That's a huge raise holy hand day when we have baptism here. We've got several lined up for baptism. Maybe you need to be added to that list. Or maybe you started the year and you know you've got some things that, frankly, they're holding you back. Because God can never bless disobedience. And that needs to be dealt with. Or maybe this is the day that this is going to be your church home and you want this to be the time and the day that you make that public. Or maybe there's another decision that I've left out. Whatever you need to do right now to make sure that Jesus is central in your life, do that so you can leave here at peace. Derek, can you wait a second? I...